Today's readings, especially this gospel, begin the very famous Bread of Life discourse in John chapter 6. Last weekend, uh, through the next five weeks, are all coming from this same chapter of John's gospel, John chapter 6. And obviously these readings are centered primarily on the Holy Eucharist. They show us that God has been thinking about the Eucharist even centuries and centuries before the birth of Christ. We heard in our first reading today that God gives us sort of a preview of the Eucharist, as he always does. God often gives in the Old Testament a preview of what is to come in the New Testament. Kind of like how if you see the shadow of something, you see the outline, you see the figure, you sort of know what the person might look like, but you don't see the real thing. That is what happens in our first reading today. We hear about the story of the pilgrim people of Israel moving throughout the desert. And inevitably, moving through the desert, they get hungry. They have no food. And so what happens? They start to complain. And by complaining, they sort of lose their faith in God. They think somehow that God isn't looking out for them. They think that God doesn't hear them, that God simply does not care. So what does God do? He gave them bread from heaven, manna from heaven, to satisfy their hunger and to restore their faith in Him. This bread came from above. It did not come from below. It was a bread not provided by the people, but provided by God. God satisfied the hunger of the Israelites. And this was a point of pride for them, even centuries later in the time of Christ. It was in the Psalms that that God gave them bread from heaven. And so the people knew this scripture very well. It was something they would have taught their children that God himself fed our ancestors and kept us alive. And so that scripture was on the hearts of the people who came to Jesus and heard his miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and fishes that we heard last week. And this passage comes immediately after that miracle. And in seeing Jesus multiply those loaves of bread, it reminded them of Moses and the manna in the desert. Seeing that miracle, they saw something that they had heard from their earliest days as children. So they're intrigued by Jesus. They go looking for him and they eventually find him. And Jesus, rather uh, rhetorically, you could say, asks them, why are you looking for me? And he sort of knows the answer already. They're looking for him not because they saw something that was miraculous, but because their physical hunger was satisfied. Their hunger was satisfied just like those people in the desert. And so they're intrigued by this person who was able to multiply those loaves. And so Jesus tells the people, while that might be okay, You're hungering after me for really the wrong reason. He tells them, do not hunger for the bread that perishes, but for the bread that feeds for eternal life. Jesus is talking about two different kinds of bread here, the natural and the supernatural bread. That manna that fell from the sky was natural bread. Even though it came from God himself, it was merely natural bread. And the same was the case with those loaves that he multiplied. But our Lord wants them to hunger not after the natural bread, but after the supernatural bread. 
That natural bread is an image, it is a shadow of something far greater. That being, of course, the Holy Eucharist. The Eucharist is that supernatural bread that satisfies not necessarily our physical hunger, but our spiritual hunger. And so our Lord wanted the people to follow Him because their spiritual hunger was being satisfied rather than merely their physical hunger. There's often two levels to any time that Jesus teaches us. For instance, we can look at the woman at the well and the image of living water. It con he, Jesus contrasts physical thirst with spiritual thirst. Or even when he's talking with Nicodemus, he con in the image of birth, he contrasts earthly birth with spiritual rebirth in baptism. And today when our Lord is talking about hunger, he contrasts physical hunger with spiritual hunger. Those are the two levels that Jesus is using to teach the people. But these people that were coming after him were still thinking in their minds about earthly food. They say, give us this bread always. Again, they're still thinking on that physical level. But Christ is talking obviously about the Eucharist. He's talking about something that might look and taste exactly like that manna in the desert, but we know is so much more powerful than just natural bread. The bread of life is only truly knowable by faith. That is the true bread from heaven. And so we can look at that manna and see that if that bread was able to satisfy the physical hunger of the people and restore their faith in God, how much more does the Eucharist do for us? We know that the Eucharist satisfies our spiritual hunger for God. And in the Gospel and in the Eucharist, every time Christ is claiming to be that very thing that will satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. In this conversation with the people, Christ had every opportunity to soften his language a little bit, to tone it down, to make it a little bit more palatable, no pun intended. He had every opportunity to sort of explain it in a little bit more detail, but instead, he doubles down on the realism of his teaching. I am the bread of life. It's straightforward. It's brutally honest. Christ is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never hunger, and whoever believes in him will never thirst. The Eucharist is our spiritual food. It is the satisfaction of our hunger and the fulfillment of every spiritual longing that we could ever have. The Eucharist is also the most tangible sign of union with Christ that we have in the entire church because Christ enters into us as food. He gives us himself to be with us and to be united with us. But as good as the Eucharist is, it actually foreshadows an even greater union with God, namely being in heaven, where we will no longer have to hunger physically and we will no longer even have to hunger spiritually. That gift, that banquet, that spiritual food will be provided for us. We will see face to face. There will be no need for the Eucharist in heaven because God will not have to appear to us under signs of bread and wine. We will see him face to face. That's why in one of my favorite hymns, Lord, who at thy first Eucharist, 
The very last verse begins like this. So, Lord, at length, when sacraments shall cease, may we be one with all your church above. The Eucharist foreshadows a time in heaven where we will no longer need sacraments to encounter God. We will behold him as he is, face to face, and have all of our spiritual longings and hungers fulfilled. We receive the greatest sign of that union here on earth in the Eucharist, and it prepares us for the fullness of union with God in heaven. So today, brothers and sisters, at this Eucharist, may we, may we recognize God as our spiritual food. May we recognize Christ as our spiritual food. And may we continue to hunger for the Eucharist as much as we would for nourishment. And may the union with God that we experience today spur us on to desire eternal union with him in heaven forever.